Welcome to the Wellversed Podcast from Vintage Church. This is episode five. I'm Jasmine Denton, and I'm joined by... I'm Matt Smith, and we're so excited to have you joining us as we're walking through season one mm-hmm. of this new podcast, and we hope that you're not using this podcast as a drive-time podcast. Right. You can. Sure. But we like, would love... Back. Yeah, we would love mm-hmm. for you to pull this up, maybe on a smart TV, and if mm-hmm. you're doing audio only, remind you, we are available via video as well on If you want to see our face. Spotify, YouTube... Probably the Vintage Church app, I imagine, as well. Yeah, and it's know. a great way for you just to, you know, sit down at your coffee table, your kitchen table, pull your phone out, grab out, grab your Bible, maybe some markers or highlighters, and and let's open the Word of God together. Yeah, absolutely. This is, I love doing stuff like this. Anything that's going to push me to uh, to to go through the full breadth of Scripture uh, to. To see like what is actually being said here, I think is always really valuable. Uh, and and when I know I'm going to have to talk about it with somebody, mm-hmm. I read it different. How so? Well, because I a lot of times I I'm very much a uh, an internal processor, and as much as I love to talk, uh, most of my <laughs> Most of my processing is internal. And uh, so when people, like before I preach, when people ask me how they can help me, the thing that I say is make me say words. Yeah, Because I think to talk something out is so different than to just think things in isolation in your mind. Because in your mind, one, you can always be right. You know, mm-hmm. in your mind, like I don't have to, I don't have to anticipate what anybody else is gonna say or anybody else is gonna think. It's just, it is just what I think. Mm-hmm. Um and I also like preparing uh, or reading scripture, knowing I get to talk about it because what ends up happening after I have conversations with people is I realize like I didn't see it that way. And so then what I do is the next time I read, I think to myself, how would somebody else see this? How would somebody else read this? Mm. Um, if somebody had a different background than me or a different experience than me, or maybe they grew up, you know, just a, a different, a, in a different, honestly, just denomination, a different part of our country, a different part of the world, would they see this differently mm. than I see it? Mm-hmm. Uh, and so that's one major way I think that it changes the way that I read scripture. And, and also knowing historically, people, not only like went to church together, but they heard the word of God in community. There was a long time when people didn't have a physical Bible. And so the only time they really interacted with God's word was when it was spoken in a a church or I mean, you know, before Jesus, like in a temple or synagogue. And they would have had an opportunity at that moment to to talk about it. Uh, And so, Mm. I don't know, like it just, it helps me, I think, to see it through that lens when when I read it. I think I prepare, or I think, I just think about it differently. Yeah. Um, then like, this isn't just for me. Well, I think you know? anytime you're put in a really position, anytime you're put in a position where you're gonna have to articulate, communicate sure. the things that you're learning from God's word, it's it's very beneficial. There's some, there's some accountability mm-hmm. there, number one. And, you know, it's it's also important to to read scripture and and go to people that have maybe spent longer time in the word than you to yeah. affirm how you're mm-hmm. reading it and what you're reading it. You know, one of the one of the things that I think we did growing up and and, and 
I hope I'm going to unpack this rightly. Uh, <laughs> that well, what does that verse mean to you? Oh, let's talk about that. That's that's a very. I understand, understand the heart and the intent by that. Sure. But the verse means what it means. Yes. There, there is a universal truth that yes. is independent of what it means to you. That, that <laughs> is irrelevant necessarily. You know, understanding there is a personal application. Absolutely. There is a time when reading a verse hits you in a certain season and its effect yeah, on its you. Its effect is different. It's different. But that doesn't mean the truth is different. Right. But yeah. God's word, well, each verse has a very unique and specific universal truth that God's trying to communicate to his people. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, if you're if you're reading scripture and you got seven people in the room and you got seven ideas of what this verse means to you, right. that can be a really tricky mm-hmm. process. Absolutely. Am I am I saying that well you enough? You really and are. Right? And I think that's why what we're doing with this season of this podcast is really important because how do we determine what is the meaning of this verse? And it's by knowing context. Right. Who wrote it? What was the time period it was written in? What are the other connections? None of these books. So we believe that the Bible is one unified story. It's written that way. Right. You you cannot separate one book from any other, we say book of the Bible, but you know, one scroll or whatever, um, that all of these other scrolls give give light, give context, give clarity to what um what one author is saying because they didn't have, like this isn't illustrated. Um, It was not written through this Western lens where everything is written at face value. Um, The the Eastern way of of writing was to, um, it, it wasn't necessarily about burying something to hide. It was about burying something so that you dig so that you get deep into you know whatever is um, is being communicated or whatever. Um, there's actually a word to this. It's called intertextuality, um, which is something that I'm I'm learning about right now. Uh, just because I've been really interested in like how the Hebrew Bible was put together uh, and its design and just different ways to look at it. Um, and when I say Hebrew Bible, I mean Old Testament. Um, but one way to think about it is that you um, a text only means what it means in light of a whole bunch of other texts mm-hmm. uh, that it's connected to. And it's inherently connected to and we can't disconnect them. And so I think that's why this is important because it can't just be what you take that to mean. This is why we have athletes going around with like, um, you know, uh, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength, Okay. All things are possible with God, um, you know, because to you that verse means I can hit the baseball. I can hit the baseball. I'm gonna score the winning touchdown, you know, because to you that's what that verse means. But in context, it's absolutely not what it means. No, you know, and and that's the dangerous part. Is yes, you can you can take those verses out of context, misapply them, not experience that truth, and then get discouraged, and it can it mm. impact your faith in a way. Oh, well, yeah. God, I thought I could do all things through you, right? Which means I'm five foot two, but I can. Dunk a basketball because I can do all things yeah. through Christ. That's craziness. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and I think what we're getting at is it's not that scripture can't be layered and that, yes. the, you, that God can't show you something that is true about him through a verse that is not necessarily targeted at that thing. Mm-hmm. Well, that's the living and active nature of right. God's word. But I think what is of utmost importance is 
what is the original intent? Yes. The original intent. Yeah. In other words, as, as, as it pertains to our study right now as we're walking through these I am statements of Jesus, let's see if we can dig in okay. to find what was Jesus' original intent? Yeah. Why did he say this, when he said it, and who he said it to? What, what was he trying to accomplish? What was he trying to communicate mm-hmm. to the original hearers yeah. and to those that would read about it through the way he the Godhead inspired people to write it down hmm. because that original intent is of utmost importance. Okay. Yeah. And to do that, we do what we're doing. We're connecting it to, all right, let's look at it in context of the overall thing of what's happening mm-hmm. in the time this in which Jesus narrative. says that. Mm-hmm. And then let's connect it back to the Old Testament things that mm-hmm. these original hearers would have thought of yeah. when Jesus said these things mm-hmm. so that we can discover that original intent. Yeah. Okay. So today we're in John chapter 10. There's a lot of scripture tied to this one. And I don't mean just like a lot of places in scripture. I mean like the places that it points to and even this text itself. Mm. Um, I mean, there's 30, 30 verses in, in verse 10 or in chapter 10 where Jesus unpacks what he's saying about I am the good shepherd and I am the gate. Um, so... If you're, if you're cool, can we read some scripture today? I think that's what we're here to do. I think so too. All right, guys, we're gonna start in John chapter 10, verse one. Truly, I tell you, this is Jesus speaking, anyone who does not enter the sheep pen by the gate, but climbs in some other way is a thief and a robber. The one who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens it for him and the sheep hear his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought them all out or all on his own outside, he goes ahead of them. The sheep follow him because they know his voice. They will never follow a stranger. Instead, they will run away from him because they don't know the voice of strangers. Jesus gave them this figure of speech, but they did not understand what he was telling them. Jesus said again, truly I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep didn't listen to them. I am the gate. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and come in and go out and find pasture. A thief comes only to steal and to kill and destroy. I have come so that they may have life and may have it in abundance. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand, since he is not the shepherd and doesn't own the sheep, leaves them and runs away when he sees a wolf coming. The wolf then snatches and scatters them. This happens because he is a hired hand and doesn't care about the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me. Just as the father knows me and I know the father, I lay down my life for the sheep. But I have other sheep that are not from this sheep pen. I must bring them also and they will listen to my voice. Then there will be one flock one shepherd. This is why the father loves me because I lay down my life so that I may take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down on my own. I have the right to lay it down and I have the right to take it up again. I have received this command from the father. Then they say like, he's crazy. And um, they say, how long are you gonna keep us in suspense? If you're the Messiah, tell us plainly. He's like, oh my gosh, are you kidding me? Mm -hmm. I'm telling you right now. Yeah. Uh, And then he says, I did tell you and you don't believe. Jesus answered them, the works that I do in my father's name testify about me, but you don't believe 
because you are not of my sheep. My sheep hear my voice. I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life and they will never perish. No one will snatch them out of my hand. Mm. He says a lot of things. Yeah, and and again, set the context. If, if you really want to read, understand What's happening in chapter 10, again, go back, especially read into really eight, the latter part of eight, which we talked about in our last mm-hmm. episode and into nine. And again, as as we're moving towards Jesus' crucifixion, we're, you're able to get a glimpse into why they get so infuriated that they want him dead. Mm-hmm. And this tension between Jesus and the Pharisees, the religious leaders of his day, it's it, again, it's continuing to grow and grow and grow and grow and grow and grow. Right. And that's the audience that's hearing him say, truly, I tell you, I'm the gate. I'm the good shepherd. Yeah. And in, in a sense, he's pointing to who they're not. Yes. And talking exactly about what who doing. he is, mm-hmm. he is exposing who they are right. and who they're not. Mm-hmm. And that's what's creating this tension. And this is not the first time that a prophet of God has had to speak into yes. the failure yes. of the religious leaders of their time. Correct. And you know, you see in this, the more Jesus talks, the less they hear the harder their hearts get, the more deaf they become, the more blind they become. I mean, they're saying things like, you know, I don't understand what you're telling me. Are you the Messiah? And he's like, are you, are you kidding? Like this, this should not be, this could not be more clear. Um, even some of the language that he's using here when he says, uh, anyone who doesn't enter the sheep pen by the gate, but climbs in some other way is a thief and a robber. He has continued to call the, relig- the religious leaders, robbers, like you thieves, you robbers. This is a den of robbers. Um, and so that's language like that he's used toward them this, this whole time. And even still, they're not getting like, you are, I am who you are not. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm here to correct something that has been gone wrong for a very long time. Um, so let's talk about, we talked last time about alarm bells. You know, th- this would signal like, this is where all of the lights on the dashboard start coming on. Um, what are some things, what are some things when we hear things like, I'm the gate, I am the gatekeeper, I am the good shepherd. Outside of, yeah, before we get into the Old Testament stuff, what visuals is that bringing to mind in that day? Like in that day and age, what what is a gate? What is it? Because a gate then and a gate now is very different. Yeah, unpack that. Okay, so when we think of a gate, we think of um, a set of doors, right. you know, that swing both ways. They latch, they come in and out. So uh, a gate in a sheepfold or sheep pen um, would have been an, an opening, uh, basically from you know the pasture outside, and this could have been um, something that was built specifically for the sheep, like by the, the sheep owner, or there were also places um, out in the wilderness, uh, sort of a, a natural cave where the shepherds would go in and they would uh, build rocks. They would like build a wall out of rocks and then they would leave an opening for the sheep to go in and out. That would be the gate. Mm. And um, most likely 
There was one nearby. When rabbis taught, and you know, Jesus was a rabbi, he was a teacher, uh, it was always visual. It wasn't some like abstract thing. It was like, there's this very concrete thing. So I, I imagine there was a gate there. This is where the sheep go in and out. And he puts his hand on it. And he's like, I am the gate. So they have a very visual thing. Um, but what the shepherds would do is, you know, as they were out to pasture, if, um, you know, night came and they couldn't make it back to where, wherever they were going, they would, um, they would bring their sheep into this safe place. They would count the sheep. They knew each of the sheep, not just like, oh, I have 99 sheep or I have a hundred sheep. They knew, like if one was missing, they knew which one was missing. Like they were that familiar with the, the sheep in their flock. So they would get the sheep in and then the shepherd would place himself in the gate, in that opening and would keep vigil all night long to keep this, the sheep safe and in and the predators out. Mm. Um, and so, you know, when he says like, I lay down my life, he, a, a shepherd would lay down in, in that space, mm. in the gate to make sure that the only thing that got in were the things that were supposed to be in. Mm. Um, so that's, that, that's what is being called to mind here. Yeah. Uh, this image of a shepherd, that was, this was um, an agrarian society. Did I say that word right? Sure. Sure. All right. Um, and uh, <laughs> I don't know all the words. Um, this was a this was a context they understood. Yeah. Even if they didn't understand everything Jesus was saying, they did get shepherds. Yeah. They understood what what it meant to be a shepherd, what the and what they did for the sheep. Um, and when he's saying things like, "I am the good shepherd," "I am the gate," uh, they would have thought about other shepherds that they, when they think of shepherds, those shepherds that come to mind, mm. Abraham was a shepherd. Mm. Moses, Moses was a shepherd. David, David. was a shepherd. Yeah. Um, and so when Jesus is saying, I'm the good shepherd, like I'm the one that all of these were, were good shepherds too, but they failed in some way. Yeah. Moses couldn't take his sheep all the way into the promised land. He's, he got stuck, um, you know, because of his own lack of trust yeah. and obedience mm-hmm. um, and couldn't, couldn't take the sheep in. Um, and that was actually, you know, one of Moses's uh, requests to God when he finds out like, okay, I can't, I've been disqualified um, or I've disqualified myself from, from going in. The thing that he asks God for is, or he says like, who's gonna lead them? Mm-hmm. Don't leave, like they will be like sheep without a shepherd. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and so, God appoints Joshua uh, to be that that next shepherd of of his people. Yeah. So this idea of the people being sheep uh, wasn't new to right. yeah. to Jesus speaking. Well, you know, the thing that hits me in in the eye and the gate part is mm. the people that are hearing this thought of themselves as the gatekeepers. Ooh. That's what they had become. They had. They had become the people who decided <laughs> who got in, who got out. Mm-hmm even access to the temple and all the things that were around the rituals for sacrifice and atonement and all that kind of stuff, they had appointed themselves as the gatekeepers. Yeah. And you think about the moment where in, in the gospels where Jesus turns over the tables because you've turned my house into a house, a, a den of robbers. Mm. And it's this moment of you've created a system as the gatekeepers yeah. that have made it more and more difficult for people to feel worthy and feel like they have access mm-hmm. To, to me, to God. And, you know, 
that's what hit me is these people had gotten to this place where even they're looking at Jesus, we get to decide who you are. Mm-hmm. We're gonna we're the gatekeepers of all of these things. Yeah. And Jesus just and, and maybe that maybe that's not his original intent, but he's saying, I decide who comes in and who goes out. Yeah. And even in, in verse yes. 16, where he says, but I have other sheep that are not of this sheep pen, that there are some non-Jews, yeah. they're Gentiles. This is Gentiles. Mm-hmm. That I'm gonna, I'm gonna let people in that you wouldn't let in. Yeah. I've got sheep that, that I consider sheep that you're never gonna consider sheep, mm-hmm. but you're not the gatekeeper and you're not the shepherd. So you don't get to decide. Ooh, that's yeah. good. Yeah. Oh, just while you were talking, it reminded me of um, Matthew 23, uh, when Jesus is doing like, these are the the woes, you know, to the Pharisees or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, he says in Matthew 23, verse 13, he says, "'Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You shut the door of the kingdom of heaven in people's faces, for you don't go in and you don't allow those entering to go in.'" Yeah. Like that was a big rub for Jesus was, you have the keys. Yeah. Like you, you should have been letting people in all along. Right. And not only do you yourself not go in, but you're not letting anybody else in either. Right. Guess what? Like you said, it's me. Yeah. I get to be the one I get that to decide. decide. Mm. You're, you're not the gatekeepers anymore. Yeah. And you know, this and and the 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 tendency of men in charge of these systems has always yep. kind of gone sideways. Uh, you know, I think a lot of people when they think about this whole idea of good shepherd, they go to Psalm 23, sure. which mm-hmm. is this beautiful image. Absolutely. But for me, it's Ezekiel 34. Same. You know, uh, and, and go there with us. It's Ezekiel chapter 34, and I'll start reading. You really need to read the whole the chapter. The whole chapter, honestly. Yeah, because you see you see this frustration. I would say let's read as much of it as we, we can without, you know. Yeah, okay, I'll just start reading. Please. Uh, this is it's, Ezekiel, it's good. Ezekiel 34, starting with verse one, says, the word of the Lord came to me. Son of man, prophesy against the shepherds of Israel. Prophesy and say to them, this is what the Lord God says to the shepherds. Woe to the shepherds of Israel who have been feeding themselves. Should the shepherds uh, feed their flock? You eat fat, wear the wool and butcher the fattened animals, but you do not tend the flock. You have not strengthened the weak, healed the sick, bandaged the injured, brought back the strays or sought the lost. Just stop there for a second. Think about, I'm gonna read that again. Please do. So this is Jesus, or God speaking through the prophet Ezekiel and go back into the latter part of verse two. We just said the woes mm-hmm. in Matthew 23. Yeah. Listen, woe to the shepherds of Israel who have been feeding themselves. Shouldn't the shepherds feed their flock? Verse three, you eat the fat, wear the wool and butcher the fattened animals. You do not tend the flock. You have not strengthened the weak, healed the sick, bandaged the injured, brought back the strays or sought the lost. Instead, you've ruled with violence and cruelty. They were scattered for lack of a shepherd. They became food for all the wild animals when they were scattered. My flock went astray on the mountains and every high hill. My flock was scattered over the whole face of the earth and there was no one searching or seeking for them. Mm. Therefore, you shepherds, hear the word of the Lord. As I live, this is the declaration of the Lord. Because my flock, 
lacking a shepherd, has become prey and food for every wild animal. And because my shepherds do not search for my flock and because the shepherds feed themselves rather than my flock, therefore you shepherds hear the word of the Lord. This is what the word of the Lord says. Look, I am against the shepherds. I will demand my flock from them and I prevent them from shepherding the flock. The shepherds will no longer feed themselves for I will rescue my flock from their mouths so that they will not be food for them. And you could just keep reading. This is, this is essentially Jesus fulfilling in John 10, these very words. Yeah. I mean, look at the parallel. Look at... Yeah. The prophecy in Ezekiel 34 is describing yeah. the audience that's standing before Jesus yes. beginning to boil over with yes. anger. Well, and sorry, I wanted you to keep going because this is where he gets to <laughs> well, like- Keep going, if you want to keep going. Sorry, I'm so sorry. Okay, <clears throat> so he's, this is the condemnation. This mm. is him saying, you like you took advantage of this flock. I gave this flock to you. Yes, you you should eat the fat. You should wear wear the wool. You you you, know, you should um, butcher the fat and animals. But you should also. Yeah. And it was like they were just using it to their benefit and not putting in the care. They didn't care for the. And that's what Jesus says. Like you didn't take care of these sheep because you're a hired hand. Yeah. I'm not. Right. These are my sheep. So uh, verse eleven in Ezekiel thirty four. For this is what the Lord God says. See. I myself mm. will search for my flock and look for them. As a shepherd looks for his sheep on the day he is among the scattered flock, so I will look for my flock. I will rescue them from all the places where they have been scattered on a day of clouds and total darkness. I will bring them out from the peoples, gather them from the countries and bring them to their own soil. I will shepherd them on the mountains of Israel in the ravines and in all the inhabited places of the land. I will tend them in good pasture and their grazing place will be on Israel's lofty mountains. There they will lie down in good grazing place. They will feed in rich pasture on the mountains of Israel, I will tend my flock and let them lie down. This, oh gosh, can't you just hear like, come to me all you who are weary and heavy laden. I will tend my flock and let them lie down. This is the declaration of the Lord God. I will seek the lost, bring back the strays, bandage the injured, strengthen the weak, but I will destroy the fat and the strong. I will shepherd them with justice. And if you skip on down, uh, to verse 22, he says, I will save my flock. They will no longer be prey and I will judge between one sheep and another. I will judge between one sheep and another. I will establish over them one shepherd, my servant, David, and he will shepherd them. He will tend them himself and will be their shepherd. I, the Lord will be their God and my servant, David will be a prince among them. I, the Lord have spoken. There it is. This is this is G and and this they would have known this, they would have heard this, and Jesus is that fulfillment. He yeah. is that New Testament David. He is the better David, just like he's the better Adam. He is he is the one. And so when he says, I'm the good shepherd, the bells of Ezekiel 34 should have went off. Yeah. And I think that's even why Jesus is a little bit more like unpacks this a little bit longer mm. in, in John 10 to help them see, again, I am. We go back to that first one, I am he, what he said to the woman at the well, mm. I, I'm him. Yeah. Um, 
Oh, this is bring, this brings up so we much. we got about two okay. minutes to okay. unpack this. All right, so <laughs> Jesus weeps over the city of Jerusalem. Mm-hmm. He looks out. This is what I'm trying to find. I'm, if you're watching, you can see me. I'm over here on my phone, like trying, because yeah. I, I can't think of, because he looks out and he sees that the people are like sheep without a shepherd. Mm-hmm. Like that's the thing that moves his heart. That's the thing like is worth crying over, you mm-hmm. know? Mm-hmm. Um, and like, I just want you to hear in Ezekiel 34, I just want you to hear what this shepherd does. Mm-hmm. Just the verbs. He searches, he mm-hmm. looks, he rescues, he brings out, he gathers, he shepherds, he tends, he seeks, he brings back, he bandages, he strengthens. Um, he, he shepherds them and then he destroys what shouldn't be there. Um, and so just... Like, what a, what a promise. So you know what hits me as you read that? Hmm. We as pastors mm-hmm. can either be the modern day Pharisee or we can be under shepherds of the good shepherd. Yeah. And a lot of people are so church hurt mm-hmm. because they have sat under leadership that reflect the heart of the Pharisee mm-hmm. and not the heart of the shepherd. Mm. And it just makes me think, am I, as if he's the good shepherd and I, we are under shepherds mm-hmm. of the good shepherds, are we leading, caring for people in such a way that we reflect and we are modeling all those things that you just mentioned? Yeah. Hmm. And to feel that responsibility that, and I don't, I don't know it's a direct correlation between the Pharisees of Jesus' day in the pastors of our culture. But if you think about what their responsibility was and you think about the leadership they had and the influence they had. Mm-hmm. As pastors, you know, that in, in our non-temple mm-hmm. paradigm that's right. now created, I wanna reflect that. Mm-hmm. You know, I wanna reflect the heart of the shepherd that is present in Jesus that was absent. Mm-hmm. in the religious leaders of those of his day. Hmm. Yeah. And just kind of doing a checklist as I read through those words. Mm-hmm. And I think maybe that's, we're, if we're called to inspire people to live and love like Jesus, there's a measure of all of that that should be seen absolutely. in us as followers of Christ. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. That, you know, just like we're to be a reflection of, of that light. Yeah. We also, like, we're just, we are a reflection of Christ. Yeah. Um, and so that's just the way that we are to care for one another, you know? Because we think often about what it means for us that he's our good shepherd and, and yeah. we see all that there. But then what that means from us. Uh-huh, yeah. Because of the good shepherd that he is and the work that he's doing in us yeah. and through us. Yeah. Um, when I just want to, I want to point to something in, one of Paul's letters. Mm. Um, when I think about that gate and I think about um, like Jesus gets to decide what comes in and what goes out. Mm. If it doesn't come in through the gate, mm. it shouldn't be there. And I think about how much we let into our lives that doesn't come in through the gate. Mm. Like how much, how much are we going through um, in our own life that we have allowed in lies, fear, shame, whatever, like that did not come in through the gate. Uh, and so I think about what um, what Paul says in 
Colossians, you know, when we're thinking about like what we let into our, our own lives, um, Colossians 3, uh, verse 15, he says, let the peace of Christ to which you were also called in one body rule your hearts and be thankful. Let the word of Christ richly dwell among you in all wisdom and teaching and admonishing one another through psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. And whatever you do in word or deed, do in every do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, giving thanks to God the Father through him. And I just think about, you know, I think what Jesus is talking about is for sure about like sheep or people, and it's who who is coming in and out of the kingdom. But then you are part of that kingdom. What are you letting come in and out mm. of you? Mm. And I just think even in my own life, like do I let Christ be the gatekeeper? Do I think um, like, do I let his word and do I let his peace be the thing that gets to decide what goes in and what what comes out? If he you wouldn't know? let it in, why would you let why it in? Why would I? Yeah. And if he didn't let it in, it shouldn't be there. Good. It's good stuff. It's so. great. All right. All right, That's guys. <laughs> We're out of time. We want to <laughs> continue to honor these segments. And yeah. again, our prayer is that this sparks continued study. So as you're continuing to journey along with us, uh, dive deeper into the word. Again, make sure you're subscribed so yep. you don't miss an episode. And if you are need to get caught up, go back and watch the previous episodes. And again, as we say every week, we'd love for you to let us know what you're learning by leaving a, a rating and a review. And you can feel free to reach out to us through the Venice Church app and share any feedback as you're walking through these I Am statements with us in season one of Wellversed. That's it. All right. Thanks, guys. See you later.